Welcome to Horrible Friends. It's a podcast in book club format about horror movies. And this week we have American Psycho from 2000. Starting off, my name is Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And the way this thing's going to work is we're going to go ahead and tell you a little bit of history about the movie. We're going to tell you about the movie. And then we're going to tell you how we feel about the movie. But you might get an inclination during this recording about how we feel about American Psycho from the year 2000. Starting off, Dan, do you happen to have any histoire about this good old flick? Yeah, so American Psycho came out in the year 2000, as you said. Uh, our director for this, I was actually very pleasantly surprised about this. I, I didn't realize that the director and the writers for this were both women. That's pretty cool, um, especially in the year 2000. I feel like you know we really hadn't come into the time where we had like a lot of women writers or anything. So I, I, I think that's pretty cool. So getting to that, our director for this is Mary Haran. Uh, she also co-wrote that, and she's known for doing things like I Shot Andy Warhol, which apparently is a true story. Uh, my wife and I were talking about it the other day. Um, there was like a woman who attempted to, I don't know if she actually shot him, um, but it's like some feminist figure that like tried to shoot him. Uh, I, I don't know a whole lot about the story because this just this conversation just happened about an hour ago. Um, but anyway. or did she just throw a can of soup at him? I wish. I wish. That would have been great. Also, um, actually, so she was the original director of this movie, and then uh, the production company took the movie from her because she wanted Christian Bale, and since he was still, like, a young actor, they were like, no, we're going to give it to Oliver Stone, and we want Leonardo DiCaprio. And then shortly after that, Oliver Stone was like, eh, actually, I don't feel like I'm going to do something else. So they're like, okay, well, here, you can, ha they gave it back to like, you can have it back. You can have your actor, but we're also going to like drastically cut your budget. I actually noticed that when I was looking up the budget for this. I mean, the budget is only $7 million, which I was very surprised about. Um, I, I figured that this movie, just because of, um, you know, like the gravity of this movie and like how polarizing this movie is. Um, I figured that this movie would have a much larger budget. Um, and just to give you that, the, the box office for it was $34 million. Um, so even mm. that, I was I was a little shocked about. I expected it to be making more money than what I was finding. But I guess it, it was a movie that built on its successes. I, I wondered that myself, actually. I mean, frankly, like the more you get into this, like it, it's interesting the amount of discourse this movie had internally between like they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to have the lead and there was a lot of back and forth in that way. And I almost wonder, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, if the fact that Fight Club and its unreliable narrator kind of angle that came out the year prior had some effect on this, because it's kind of a, a similar tone after after a certain point. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, get that. I, I, I actually I actually think that I mean, again, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but um, I rack my Spoiler, I, I don't really like this movie at all after numerous watches of it. But uh, I, I I think that that's actually part of the reason I don't like it is because of the unreliable narrator. I, I think that because the book is written as a way of you don't understand, you don't really know for certain if he's actually committing the murders or if he's not committing the murders. 
Right. Um, so I don't think the movie really showed the unreliable narrator in a great way. It kind of felt a little disjointed and a little confusing. And it felt like the end where they're trying to show that he's like unreliable is just kind of hodgepodge thrown at you like spaghetti thrown at the wall kind of thing. Um, and I, I just don't, for me again, getting ahead of myself, I'm going to get there, but like, um, it just, for me, that's actually one of the reasons that I'm not like a huge fan of this movie. Oh, it's definitely a fair take. So let's talk about the other writers. We have, uh, Genevieve Turner and actually the author of the book, Brett Easton Ellis. Um, I don't think I can stand Brett Easton Ellis. I went on a little bit of like a Google dive on him and, um, like reading about what he said about the the book that he wrote and he's like saying oh well i i based the character around my dad and then like years later came out and was like nah it was just about me and I, just my anger and it's not really about the stock market or like consumerism it was just about my anger as a person i'm just like it, he sounds like an edgelord teenager like <laughs> I, I, I i don't know What's edgy to be mad about lately? That's what my inspiration was. The eighties. <laughs> Just a lot of coke and anger. I don't know. Isn't that what the eighties were? I, don't know. I think that was literally the eighties. Yeah, a lot of coke <laughs> and anger. Yeah. I'm trying to do drugs over here. <laughs> <laughs> so our runtime for this, um, I guess, fortunately for me, not getting into your guys' opinions yet, but fortunately for me, it was only about an hour and forty-two minutes. So nice, quick, kind of condensed watch on this. Not that it felt quick and condensed. Um, it does not feel quick. It, no. Holy shit. Have, as much as I do like this movie. Up. Yeah. As much as I, I like this movie, it could be shorter. Honestly, if it was an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. Are we old? Is that yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Are we just getting old? Because every yeah. week I feel like I'm like, this could have been an hour. And then like, can I just watch the matinee and just go yeah. home and have my bowl of porn? At some point, no, we are like... becoming more irritable. Like it, like it's obvious yeah. over the past like 30 episodes. We're just curmudgeons yelling about kids yeah. in our front fucking lawns. We're like, movies used to be a cool 90 minutes. And that was America. Then Could I have to watch be... fucking Cure for Wellness and here fucking yeah, oh we are. My God. Now I'm just bitter and pissed off. Could this movie have been an email? That's <laughs> the real question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. At least like a quick office memo. Yeah, right. A, a TPS report, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So although we did have horror themes in this movie, I really thought it was um, more in line with this movie for us to discuss other 2000 thriller movies because I, I think that this movie kind of lines up with thrillers more than horror movies again although it does have a lot of horror aspects to it like the murder and there is a lot of there is like light gore um but other 2000 thrillers oh my god what a fucking great year we had um memento we had requiem for a dream and we had Unbreakable. Like, what? Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Just those three movies. But did, like, any actual horror movies come out? Yes, I, I actually do have uh, horror movies, which I had prepared. Definitely had prepared. Um, Absolutely. No, we all saw. We yeah, all saw. I was there. Look, there's, there's been no time in between when Kyle <laughs> asked that. and <laughs> There's been no magic of editing between then and now so here allow me to read these with no more pauses our first one is final destination 
We Ooh. also had Scary Movie, which, you know, has to that be was a movie. scary movie. It was a very scary movie. Um, you remember the the dick going through his ear scene? God, so weird. <laughs> anyway, something that you can't bring up. in That's scary movie, too. No, that was yeah, it's scary. No, yeah, it's, no, I'm pretty sure it's no, the I'm first right. one. It's, no, it is it's scary movie one. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad. I'm bad. My bad. I was like, no, no, I'm right. <laughs> Y'all are thinking about the scene where they like the demon like has sex with the one woman and they're going like up the wall and like on the, yep. on the ceiling. Nope. Yeah. It was because it was screamed to that they were parodying by that yes. point. Yeah. And then the last one is, of course, of course, of course. And I can't believe we haven't watched it. Leprechaun in the hood. Oh, my fair God. enough. So there were some great horror movies coming out in the year 2000. I just want you to know that. Uh, hmm. So no one was starved for horror. That's for certain. And the fact that Memento came out the same year and then just was like <sighs> six, seven years later, then what a great <clears throat> Nolan and Bale are working together. Right. Imagine you make this movie and I don't know what order they came out in, but imagine you make this movie and then you all like Memento also comes out the same year and you're technically in the same category. I'm fairly certain that actually Christian Bale was one of the reasons that he was chosen for the role of the Dark Knight. Sorry, we are a Dark Knight podcast now. Uh, one of the reasons <laughs> that he was chosen for the Dark Knight is because of The Machinist. So if anybody has never seen it, he just had this crazy ability to just lose all this weight and gain it like anemic yeah. and then yeah like they they were just impressed obviously with his acting skills but his ability to like put on weight lose weight and stuff and for the dark knight he had to put on a lot of muscle mass so. the fact that it, like he was able to do that after how he looked in the machinist to then batman begins because i feel like batman begins he was the most bulked i think out of any of the dark it was movies. 50 to 70 pounds of muscle yeah, actually. yeah, because it was it was not a it was not a long span of time, and that was right after being fifty to seventy pounds total. Yeah, no, he would eat like an apple a day. If you guys don't remember, there's a scene specifically where the car drives through this one section. It's actually the corner of Maine and Cornwall <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Go and what's yourself. crazy? <laughs> All right, but that actually segues us nicely because uh, really the main actor in this and the person who carried this movie is Christian Bale. Christian Bale, it, if you don't know who Christian Bale is, he is the guy who screamed at the sound guy. He is the guy who's in The Dark Knight. He is the guy who's in American Hustle, The Fighter. He's in so many different things. So uh, Christian Bale, obviously an asshole, obviously an amazing actor. Oh, good for you. Oh, good for you. <laughs> but yes. Christian Bale, very good in this, all, all, all problems aside. Our filming location for this, much to the dismay of Jarvis, as always, uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, is where... It's it called is. American Psycho! Can nothing be sacred? <laughs> I was Fuck! waiting for this moment. <laughs> as soon as I was looking into stuff before I watched hey, the movie. Hey, it's all part of like, North America, oh. eh? <laughs> yeah, it, you're right. It, it's it is not titled North American. It's like, not. Can North you American imagine Psycho. Canadian Psycho? <laughs> this is not a continental feel good movie. This is about this is about the derangement of American wealth. God okay, damn it! Let's, let's and it is to be celebrated. Let's play a little thought. Experiment. Oh man, I can't get the maple syrup out of my sheets, Eric. Let's, let's play a little thought experiment here. I want. Uh -huh. I want you guys to so American Psycho is obviously about like materialism, capitalism, and like um, 
you know, losing being a cool losing, 80s guy. Yeah, like losing yourself in in the pursuit of wealth. In so, the music, the moment which, you own it. Which is which is Mom spaghetti. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Which is obviously like a very American um kind of thing and like a uh, theme that is explored. If you could pick one other country that this could be the first name instead of American Psycho, what would that inner message be? Hmm. Is this where we offend an entire group of people? <laughs> 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 I guess it's my turn to talk, guys. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, please. This movie, yeah, but, yeah, but Bolivian Psycho doesn't really work out. Bolivian for me, I don't think. <laughs> so let's move into our taglines. Hit me with it. All right. Well, no introduction necessary. Is that it? What? Is that That's really what? it? Oh. Are you kidding me? I think this movie needs an introduction, though. Yeah, That's no, not... I, I disagree. <laughs> That's the point of the tagline. Okay, but I really like this completely separate one that was written here. No introduction necessary. Are you telling me there are two taglines of the exact same tagline? On this website. <laughs> I, except, all right, the difference. One, it's not all capitalized. So, you know, there you ah. go. So you didn't scream out the first one, so that's your fault. That, that for was not screaming sorry, for not blowing okay, out fine. your ears. No, no, no. Um, but Thank in all seriousness, moving on to our next one. I think my mask of sanity is about to slip. Okay, I kind of like that because it's it very much. It's very much an internal monologue. This entire piece is from the first person perspective, so I kind of like it from his perspective. The tagline. I don't hate it. Yeah, but like. The point of a tagline is, isn't it you're supposed to be able to walk away and be like, tagline. I remember to go see this movie because tagline. Like, no one can hear you scream in space, right? Like, that's that's a tagline. Not. It's like the eighth I, time we've referenced. No one can hear you scream. Space, no one can hear you scream. In America? And like, I, it's good. <laughs> yeah. There are really good ones. Right. Well, it should really should be, in space, you can't get a reservation. I don't <laughs> that's a good <laughs> one. That's a good one. God damn it. You've solved it. You brilliant <laughs> bastard. <laughs> Uh, the next one that we have is Killer Looks. Better? I actually kind of like that one. It's not good. I, I kind of like it. I'm, I'm okay with it. I like that one. Because the the whole the whole movie is about like his pursuit of like his image and things like that. So I think like Killer Looks is mm-hmm. kind of, I think it kind of works. And he's a killer. Yeah, the only personality he has is one of, you know, great vapidity. I don't know if that's how you say like someone is vapid, just empty and <laughs> You know, back yes, Michael but... Scott. That is. <laughs> <laughs> um, our last one that we have is Killer Inside. Did you say that weird? <laughs> I, yeah. I... <laughs> Can you do it again? Killer Inside. Not... See, nope. There Kill- it is again. Right, it's it's <laughs> Killer Inside. It's the period. inflection. Period. Killer Inside. Period. Period. I, I'm drinking. Uh... Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way I can get through. It's not this. like killer inside, like killer like a sign. It's just it's like killer inside. Yeah. Killer inside. Like one of those like cell phone people like flipping the signs around. Killer inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Woo woo. <laughs> um, but with that, um, Chris. Well, thank you for that perfect segue, Dan. <laughs> so I have broken this up into two parts. I will only tell you part the title of part one for now. And uh, 
you know, I think Dan will fully appreciate these uh, titles. For the first half, we have I've just called Cool Eighties Guy. Uh huh. Do 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 do. Our movie opens with our main man Patrick Bateman just hanging out with a bunch of other eighties uh, businessmen doing, you know, they do those normal important eighties business kind of things where, like, you know, you talk about there's no good places in the bathroom to do coke and you make a lot of anti-Semitic jokes. You know, all the all the usual eighties business uh, dialogue. So as you know, these classic 80s business guys are all just chatting it up. You almost for a split second think Patrick's not that bad of a guy when he asks them all to stop making all these anti-Semitic jokes. But then we cut to him at a nightclub and when he tries to pay for a drink with a, a drink ticket and he's told it's cash only, he says to the bartender, and I quote, You're a f- ugly fucking bitch. I will stab you to death and play around with your blood. Pretty Pretty normal reaction if you have to, you know, it's only a cash bar. I mean... That's what I say every time we see Patrick just, you know, basically a typical kind of business asshole. He cancels all of his meetings. He treats his secretary like shit, um, goes out to dinner with his fiance and like her friends and completely just doesn't give a fuck about it at all. Does he basically admit that he's having an affair like in front of everyone? I can't remember. He says it. Or I think he's talking about somebody he else. He says it in his head. <laughs> oh, OK. He's like. <laughs> what they don't know is that I was having an affair as well. <laughs> <laughs> after dinner, he just goes down the street after taking out a whole bunch of money, follows this woman, stops right next to her, just says hello. And then we immediately cut to him at a dry cleaner yelling at the owners because they can't get his cran grape or uh, cran apple stains out of his sheets. You guys ever spilled cran apple on something? Yes. <laughs> Doesn't look like that. No. <laughs> Don't look like that. It would probably help, but you, you can't bleach those sheets. Not something that expensive. So just after a lot of just weird business stuff and a lot of scenes of Patrick just being very weird, talking about like his beauty regimen and a whole lot of other kind of not important scenes, we get to him in a business meeting with a bunch of other people in his company, and that's when we see all the business cards flying and everyone's just whipping out their business cards and really just trying to show them off. And they all look the exact fucking oh same. God. How dare you? <laughs> They're black. <laughs> it's beautiful. Very slattery. Pale Nimbus. Also, I don't know if you guys noticed, but on every single business card, uh, the word acquisitions is spelled wrong. That's Absolutely. amazing. I didn't no, notice that. Yeah. I just noticed that they yeah. were all vice, vice presidents. That's all. Yeah, everyone yeah. was a vice president. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's in this meeting we meet the man, the myth, the legend, Paul Allen. Or do we? Yeah. Paul mm. Allen shows up in the meeting. Or do, or do we? We don't no, know. he does. I mean, that's... Oh, well, yeah. by, by the end of the movie, yeah. Yeah, we're not sure. No, yeah. Uh, and him and Patrick have a little discussion, even though he doesn't actually call him Patrick. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys noticed, but no one seems to call Bateman by his name at all. They call him different names half the time. Yeah, so I, I definitely think, I mean, that's part of the the undertone of like the movie where it's like no one really has an identity and like these kind of things. You're just a body filling a spot and just um, continuing to churn out money. Like that's, I mean, yeah, it's like the, the whole thing. Um, Corporate America. Yeah. And, right? and it's yeah. the, the interesting part to me is that 
Um, and I don't think the movie did a good job explaining this because I never understood it before. Um, I did get it at the end of the movie, but that Paul Allen isn't Paul Allen. Like Paul Allen was actually just another person, kind of like Christian Bale was, where he just got mistaken for Paul Allen because no one knows who anyone really is. Like they're all just kind of fake, fake people. Um, and his hmm. name was Robert Paulson. Yeah. Like, so, so by the end, and there is like a line at the end where he's like, I just had lunch with him in London. And like, that's supposed to be like, he actually had lunch with the real Robert Paulson or whatever the fuck. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to say Robert Paulson, Paul Allen. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. I was, oh, I, I was going to play it off. And I was like, nah, um, let me just take a sip of my beer again. But um, no, so yeah, that's a good point though, because in the, uh, in the beginning, the dinner scene or like the lunch scene, he does say, Oh, Paul Allen's over there. And like, as you progress in the movie, you realize like Paul Allen is Jared Leto. But going back to that scene, that is not Jared Leto. Like you mm -hmm. cannot find him in that frame at all. So that actually makes sense. I always kind of wondered yeah. that myself. And and that's why I say I don't think the movie does a really good job at showing this like false narrator, like all these different intricacies. And I don't really blame the director or any or the screenwriters. I think it's a really tough thing to do. I just don't think it was done well in this movie. My opinion. No, that's fair. Uh, well, all I had left to say about this meeting is just, you know, with everyone drooling over their business cards, it's really Paul Allen's card that Patrick Bateman just kind of loses his shit and just starts sweating and staring at it. Uh, I, I really didn't like a lot of Christian Bale's lines early on in this. They felt very juvenile. Like, he literally says something. I say he literally says something along the lines of he doesn't literally say it, um, but he, he says something along the lines of I'm going to play. I'm going to play around with your blood. Like, and I was just like, all right, that sounds like something that a four-year-old would say to try to like freak you out in like a playful way. Like it's just very juvenile sounding. And th there's a couple instances of this. Um, I, I, don't I do know. have a, like my own point on that because a lot of the times this movie, people refer to Bateman to his face because they're everyone just calls him by different names at them like you mentioned with Paul Allen, but everyone just kind of refers to him as a dork or a dweeb. And he tries to see himself as this, you know, very important, perfect businessman when in reality, like, cause this is, we're, we're seeing everything from his perspective and not how everyone else sees him. Okay. And so I think he is just like a juvenile. I could, dork. I could, I could play into that, that this is more of just a character development and those kind of lines uh, like those juvenile lines and also um, I, I like that like his fiance his fiance mentions how like his dad owns the company that he works for it's a little bit of self-embellishment for sure um you know like the degree of you know how severe it is we never really as the audience get to see because you know the whole really like this first act that we see is kind of like his regimen we're getting kind of deeper into his psyche while we're also kind of seeing his character, but going back into that un, unreliable narrator, we, we don't know. We don't know if, you know, he is the guy who does a thousand crunches a day and like he has this gorgeous skin regiment. For all we know, he could be in the guy in the mailroom with like all the acne. This could all be some <laughs> sort of like self-aggrandizement, you know, image of what he perceives himself to be. But I do like a lot of the character development that we get with him early on, right? They, they do a good job. I, th I think it's a little self-indulged. I think they take a long time to do it. And I think 
I, I think it could have been summarized quicker and cleaner because uh, th- his character has done a fantastic job blending in to society while like controlling like the outside perspective of him being a sociopath. Like he likes to meander in the chaos. He likes to go to l- these loud clubs. He likes to have his group of douchebag friends, but it's always in tune with like his societal goals. So his home is clean. He's, it, it's tidy. It's like him. His house is kind of a representation of like when he sinks inside himself, right? It's clean. It's tidy. He can control his thoughts. He has control of the situation, but he likes to play in the chaos. Honestly, now all I can think of is I'd rather see this movie from the perspective of the acne riddled male uh, boy in the as a musical. That's the only way I want to watch it. As a musical, yeah. I would pay pay money to see that. I would absolutely. Think like Sweeney Todd, but acne covered male boy. He's covered in boils. <laughs> What's he making pies out of? Boils. Cocaine, I guess. <laughs> oh, boils. Yeah. boils. He's taking his boils and making pies out of them. I think my my two biggest problems with the movie, and it, it's really started like from the get go, is um, and it's going to continue on through the rest of this movie. The movie feels very disjointed. It feels like I'm watching a lot of things happen, whereas it's not flowing very well. It's just kind of like, okay, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. That's the movie. And it's almost disruptive it's, of one yeah. another, the scenes. Yeah, it's just scene after scene, but nothing that really connects those scenes and, together. And because of that, I feel no connection to the movie. I just feel like I don't care about his character. He's not really a likable character. He's not really interesting. And I get that that's the point. He's not supposed to be interesting. He's not supposed to be likable. But like when the scenes aren't done well, it makes it really hard to invest yourself in the things that are happening and find interest in them. That's a fair and point. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I found no I found so far, even at this point in the movie, I, I laughed a lot, which like really took away this idea that it was a horror movie, that it was a thriller. I mean, every every other, maybe not every other scene, but every like third scene, I just laughed and I was just like, what is this movie? Like, what <laughs> What is happening in this movie? Because I agree with you. It just no, nothing really fell into place. And I, I guess I went with the uh, the, the dummies. I looked up nothing about this movie. I knew nothing. I, I knew it was like, you know, a, either... I would say cult classic, but it made a bajillion million dollars. Uh, was this a first the... time watch for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And so, like, I watched it as though it were my first time, and it was. And I didn't look up anything about it. So, like, I watched it as though this the, the character was the character. And then by the end, yeah, the twist the, the twist is there, I guess, if it's a twist at all. But it's up to you to figure out, like, how you feel or take or understand what's going on. But, yeah, it's it's a very funny movie. There's a lot of really funny stuff that happens early on because this character is trying to be like uber macho wall street boy and like that the the line delivery for um when he says he can do it, he's like when i do my crunches i can do a thousand <laughs> i found that like it's so funny it's like so it's like it is like a little kid going i can do a thousand now and it's like can you go ahead do a thousand and then he he does i guess but <laughs> I mean, I think my favorite is still when he's talking about like his his skincare regimen, and it he says it as if he's doing like a a piece for like Vogue or Vanity Fair when he's talking about his like uh, face mask and shit. Yeah, it's a self important garbage. Yeah, 
great. Well, I did see that apparently when he did like pulled like the face mask off. Apparently he did that in one take. Oh, good like, for pulled, him. Oh, peeled that a, off in what one an go, actor. one take. What That's an, an actor. Mm. I mean, is yeah, it I'm peeling sure it off all in one piece? Yeah, I'm. It's he could have done it in two. <laughs> yeah, but instead he did it in one. I'm so proud of him. If we're talking about kind of like what our regimen is for taking care of ourselves, guys, where where are we as males, as a culture, with trying to convince women that semen is skincare? Like, I've been married 10 years. I just, uh, like, I was wondering if you guys, it, like, what's the hot goss? Are we, are, are we still trying to convince women that this is, that, like, facials are facials? I, when I you think... say we... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Collective. We're all in this together. Royal. This is a royal week. Royal week. I think legitimately, thankfully, TikTok and and Reels are really kicking this out. I think there are there are accounts that are like, no, it's really good for you. It's and they get a lot of views. So I I think we're getting closer. Are are we getting there as a society? As a society, are we running up that hill? (laughs) I really feel like we actually watch a Chuck Palahniuk. Uh, movie instead of American Psycho. <laughs> Did I watch Porky's Two again? Did you watch Fight Club? <laughs> Are men not empowered? Is that what's going on here? No. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask the the more entertaining question of what is your daily routine? Like, what's your daily skin routine, guys? Uh, no, I want to know. Does facial. anyone actually like take care of themselves? Anyone in this podcast? You got Dan. You just Dan. You just look. I follow a lot of TikTok accounts, and they all say it's really good for you. So, um, you know. So, like, do you just like aim up, or you know, get on your hands? It's more of like a self wheelbarrow kind of. Chris, I'll send you a video of my regimen. Okay, got it. Is it a video of you doing the regimen? That's um. Just go ahead and put it in the chat. I'm going to go ahead and put it in the chat. Yeah. All right, you'll thanks. Put, you'll put it on your OnlyDans. Uh, yeah. Sign up for OnlyDans sure to uh, see my... my oh, reaction. I got to sign up? <laughs> God, fucking... Right, hold on. Uh, yeah, no, I don't do I do not do jack shit. I, the the water running down my face in the shower is the uh, is my is my skincare routine <laughs> at night. My wife was in awe that I don't like... She, she's like, you're going to... like the, I think the last time we showered together, which was like a year ago, maybe, because like showering as a couple isn't... In a it's a chore experience it's a chore oh, it's, it it's, absolutely it's, is it is not a sexy activity not not dude not after like the first two or three yeah months. anything <laughs> yeah. After that, it's just, yeah it's awful if it, 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 if you disagree with us you're fucking lying and it's okay to lie to us but you're lying to yourself and, and that's, that's not okay, okay. <laughs> but, stop but yeah, lying to she was like a gas that like i don't even wash my face with soap she's like what do you do i was like exist She's like, uh, she's like, what do you mean? I was like, I dry my ass, I dry my face. She's like, with the same towel. I was like, yeah. What do you do? She's got like I learned a lot. twelve towels. I, learned a lot. <laughs> I will say, I, I I do have like a face wash I use like every morning, like when I'm in the shower. But that's just be out of habit from growing up when I had like a lot of uh, bad acne hmm. growing up, and so like I just still try to keep my face clean just to avoid that. Well, you gentlemen all have pretty, you know, some pretty, some pretty decent beards I'm looking at here. Oh, so, I have a, uh, like, do you guys do anything yeah, for I that? Yeah, I have a, I have a yes. beard, beard soap I use for it. I have no, beard shampoo. Beard shampoo, yeah. No, I, I shampoo it once every I, I do it twi- twice a week. I, I do it. 
Chris, was that beard shampoo or beer shampoo? Because in that beard. case, I also have that shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nothing no, smells better than shampoo. stale beer. Eating it right now. <laughs> so going to uh, some some of the other things, because like, right, he he, they're kind of playful with the fact that like, he's pretty sure his best friend, well, you know, he he's incapable of friendship, but his best friend is having an affair with his fiance. He's pretty sure he doesn't know for sure, but he is having an affair with his fiance's best friend. And I loved her as a character because she is like the quintessential <laughs> pillhead. She's she really is for him the perfect victim. She's entirely malleable. She's empty, you know. She's obedient, and just because she she really is just lacking any will to live, and he finds that such a beautiful quality that he kind of exploit it, and he enjoys kind of like toting her around, which is very telling of his character. He also was it at the dinner is in the car where he just tells her like just take some more lithium yeah 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 <laughs> and she does yes yeah, she does <laughs> more she power does. to her and she doesn't know yeah, yeah she doesn't know what restaurant they go to and everything yeah it's, it's are you very... sure this is dorisia and he's just like uh-huh and i just love as the camera goes to him holding up the menu that clearly says a different place it's just like borsia <laughs> <laughs> i think it's like barcadian at first time i saw it i was like oh he took her to a barcade oh dope i do love barcades I'm like fuck dorsey i'm going to i a would barcade. go to a barcade all day over that fancy restaurant unless you notice that like some of these restaurants just look like your average like run-of-the-mill chain restaurant but just with you know half the lights off yeah because there's only half the people in them at all times like except for that first one the first one they go to where he was like uh this looks like my grandmother's house or whatever like oh, old, yeah old lady restaurant everywhere else was like empty i do like that they went to a chili's at one point <laughs> that, that made me that was great <laughs> oh, it it's basically it's basically it, yeah. where he um he takes paul it's, allen yeah it's like, where it's he like, takes paul like allen it looks like it definitely looks like a chain restaurant and he's like, yeah, where no the one is more of a Chili's we? patron than I am. That was not a Chili's, my friend. I would right, know. You got me. I don't go to chain restaurants. Sorry. That was a Margaritaville that they only paid to use half the lighting. Does that mean that he went to the restaurant by himself? Like, is that what we're going with? Like, Paul Allen doesn't exist, but does exist. Like, does he? No, 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 no. He went no, with somebody. What's, so what's happening is, so. No one knows who Christian Bale's character is, right? No one actually knows who he is. They don't like they all pretend to be his friend. And the honestly, same I think thing, during this first half of the movie, only one person says right, Patrick. So the same thing is going on with um Jared Leto's character. Um what what's it? Paul Allen. The same thing's going on with Paul Allen, where it's not actually Paul Allen, just everyone's calling him Paul Allen because no one really knows who Paul Allen is because no one really knows who anyone is because no one really cares about anyone because all they care about is money and their image and that pursuit of wealth. Like that's that's all that really matters to these people. So they're all just so shallow that it's not it's not really Paul Allen, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I hate that I have to explain it to you, but I feel like, and not to heart back on my point, but I feel like that just kind of further proves my point that the movie doesn't really do a great job of explaining itself. I mean, I have a different theory about it, but I do see your point. I, I like movies that you kind of have to like self-derive. I don't. Most of the time. I'm not your maid. I, I, I don't <laughs> mind it. I'm this not one your is maid. A... <laughs> I don't care if this is your creative vision. <laughs> 
And what do you Look, made? Let me, my mind is not your mad libs. Okay? Let me come up with my own idea of your messaging. But don't make me have to go on Wikipedia dives of what the fuck actually happened in your movie. Well, you like see, the, the, the tire time. bouncing down the road is oh, actually get the fuck a out of here with rubber. Don't, don't you don't, fucking dare. Don't. Yeah, damn it. I was about, about to say. <laughs> you don't talk about it. See, the, when the tire blows up the rabbit. God damn it. I hate that fucking movie so much. <laughs> so so we can agree this whole thing is very much like a, like a, a stale kind of like social commentary of psychosis, right? Like yeah. he, he talks to his mistress while he's watching porn. You know, he does crunches while he's watching uh, Texas the Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> but then he has, like, the audacity to go on this, like, this, like, holier-than-thou rant about what the world actually needs. But it's coming from the mouth of a lunatic. And it sounds well. It sounds rehearsed. But, like, it is it is thinly veiled behind the eyes of an actual maniac. And, and it's actually, I actually really like that they show all those things because that's his pursuit right is his image so like correct it's entirely image based so i i I really like those parts where i I feel like it's good character development all right so now we're going to go into part two which again this is for dan um i call this one if only someone stopped me from my bonitis i mean my homicidal tendencies you know that dance isn't as safe as i said (laughs) s-s-s-s-a (laughs) (laughs) so so basically this whole last half is just patrick just kind of losing his shit and his grasp on reality um and then like you said like the the scenes aren't really kind of connected it just kind of jumps from scene to scene so that's uh that's what i'm gonna try and go through here at least that's how and just one it. other thing, I, I do also want to say that I, I think that the reason that they disjointed the scenes is to demonstrate that this is all going on in his head, right? That these are all like things that he was thinking, um, which ends up relating to the, the notebook that you see all the drawings in of all the things that he's done throughout the movie. I think that's the reason that's supposed to be disjointed, but just for me, it didn't work. All right, I'm done. That's all. It, it's certainly a plausible theory. No, yeah. no, yeah. So after, you know, we had the whole business card meeting and all that jazz um just kind of go quickly like few scenes to scenes um honestly the first like brutal murder at least you really see is you know patrick's just walking around at night he finds a homeless man and just kind of tells the homeless guy like how pathetic he is that he should get a job he smells like shit and then he kills him and then kills his dog anyone else you know immediately check the does the dog die.com nope too quick <laughs> i saw him stomp that dog just, like there was no doubt that he killed that dog he's he like yeah. american history x that dog a different america you know what i mean yeah. a north also america. filmed in canada yep wait was it for real no oh no geez. i have no idea I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh we eventually see patrick at a christmas party where he sees paul allen again who then paul just refers to him as marcus <laughs> And eventually he convinces Paul to go to a restaurant with him. And the whole time, Paul's just saying, like, oh, we should have went to Dorcia. I could have gotten us a table at Dorcia. And is just talking shit about Patrick the whole time to his face, but calling Patrick by another name. Alan just, uh, Paul just gets really fucking drunk. Uh, Patrick takes him back to his apartment. And this is where we have, like, the well-known scene of Patrick having newspapers on the floor. He puts on his 
little poncho talks about Huey Lewis in the news and then hacks away at Paul Allen with an axe and yelling, you know, how about uh, try and get your fucking Dorsey reservation now, you son of a bitch. I mean, he could try. <laughs> you know what? He'll he probably still try. get in. Yep. Uh, but the back of your point, Dan, about like how everything is just kind of going on in his mind for the fact that like he drags his body out of the hotel and like the doorman just kind of looks up and then just looks back down without even a second thought. I, I really think it's like a lot of like rich people get away with whatever they want. It's like a lot of like that kind of yeah. kind of theme. So like, yeah, I think he was like, oh, don't want to lose my job. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I mean, you know what? That. Honestly, I wouldn't either. I'd be like, bro, I need this job. <laughs> like, <laughs> have a great night, Mr. Bateman or whoever you are. <laughs> uh, but, as the, you know, as we keep going through the movie, Patrick's just slowly losing his shit more and more. And eventually gets interrogated by, uh, what the fuck's his name? Detective Kimball? That sounds right. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. This, so I actually found Willem Dafoe's character to be one of the most interesting. um, Because how he's like constantly giving uh, Patrick, right? I always get his name mixed up. I want to call him Norman Bateman. So Um, do the characters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one else calls him by his name either, so um, you're fine. I, I I actually found it really interesting how um, the detective constantly gave him breaks that, like, you normally wouldn't see. Like, it was completely unrealistic breaks, um, which I thought was, like, more of, like, tying to him being a rich elite man and, like, being able to get away with whatever. And the detective's just like, ah, oh, you know, I will, like... Like, we definitely think you're pretty suspicious, but you know what, man? How about you just, like, come see us in a week? How about that? How how do you feel about Huey Lewis in the news? Oh, man, I'm a huge fan. Like, it was so blasé. It was almost like that Chappelle show skit where it was like <laughs> they switched the roles of, like, the white guy and the black guy that Dave Chappelle was doing. <laughs> like, that was basically what it was. It was like, can I still sell crack cocaine? absolutely not has he not to say <laughs> yeah it's uh, uh when can you come in uh, i don't know about three o'clock <laughs> maybe four uh, all right whenever can you, you come want in at two Just, all right <laughs> sure you know what five o'clock oh, okay fine <laughs> and then he shows up super late anyway <laughs> yeah I, that that's what i like that when we get to the final portion of the movie that that's what i got that was like the biggest like piece of I guess if you want to say like satire or, or whatever you whatever it is, it's just no matter what Patrick Bateman does, he will never get in trouble. Things will yeah. always work out for him because he has money and because his dad is the owner of the company. That that's that's effectively what I got. And yeah, they they started out pretty early here where everybody's like, "Hey, what are you doing with that dead body? Oh, that's a very nice bag, <laughs> huh?" Uh, one thing I actually like about uh, Kimball's character is the director had Willem Dafoe shoot each of the interrogation th- uh, scenes like three different ways. Like first it would be a take of like, all right, for this take, I want you to suspect that Patrick is like killed Paul Allen or is killing people. All right. Now in this take, I want you to not suspect him at all that you're just, you know, as if you're just questioning another random person. All right. Now in this take, I want you to talk to him as if you know a hundred percent that he did kill these people. 
and then she just mixed them up and put them all together. That's why he has like so many different facial expressions when he's t- uh, interviewing uh, Bateman like throughout the movie. It's very interesting. Yeah, so pretty much at this point, like the whole rest of the movie is just Patrick like picking up prostitutes and having a lot of gratuitous sex, but then murdering a lot of them off screen half the time. And eventually, like he goes to take his like secretary out and plans on killing her, but for some reason, she's the one that he just kind of tells her like to leave. Otherwise, he's you know. I'm going to do something bad. Yeah, I can't control myself. I can't control myself. But she's like, oh, you mean like sex? And he's like, kind of. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it'll it, Maybe. It, it'll probably start so, that way. Kind of. Like 50-50. <laughs> it's going to finish very differently than you think. You guys, my wife still has no idea why I've started calling her Sabrina at the dinner table. <laughs> just keep saying sabrina don't stare at it eat it (laughs) my favorite line in the whole movie (laughs) going back to like the the unreliable narrator i mean the kind of like the hesitancy that I, i i forget the prostitute's name but like the initial hesitancy that she portrays both like the first and second encounter especially the second encounter but like her willingness to comply later on, it doesn't make any sense. It absolutely would not have happened. You know, she would not have gone out just doing exactly what he said. So that kind of, for me, it lends credence to the fact that like he is imagining at least a good portion of what is actually happening. And where the fuck was he getting a limo all of these times? I mean, it's not out of the question, but like it's kind of like beside his character. You know, yeah, I didn't think about a that. lot of the things don't really add up. He always had his uh his tuxedo on when he was in the limo. I thought that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't you don't go out in a tuxedo all the time. No, oh, clearly you don't go to. Oh, clearly you Thursdays. don't eat at Dorcia often mm-hmm. enough. I, I I gotta say though, man, with the uh, the sex scenes, pretty entertaining. Like overall, right? Because. Like, Guys, like if, if you're t- if you're gonna look me right in the eye right now and tell me you haven't been looking your you haven't been checking yourself out in a mirror when you're like just getting it, just getting dirty, you know, just you might you may not go like full ma- like Macho Man Randy Savage, but you might be like like Lex yeah, Luger. You, might, here, <laughs> you might flex the titties a little bit. You might be like, oh, shit, dude. Okay, good for, for you, you, buddy. Puff out your chest a little bit. Good for you, yeah. Give her the vinegar strokes. Hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If I have to see myself in the mirror, I'm just like, I used to just look over and go, oh God, that's what I look like? Yeah, I'm not saying lately. I'm saying. I used to be attractive. Now I'm just a fat dad. God, was I strong. I sure was. There's just so much sex, so much murder. And like Jarvis, yeah, you said, uh, he's having a nice like threesome at one point, and then it gets a little rough. And, uh, you know, I don't, I can't remember their names. Uh, Was it Christy and. Elizabeth, does it? In the spirit of Patrick Bateman, who fucking cares what their name yeah. were? That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's having like the, a nice threesome with Christy and Elizabeth, and gets a little too rough. Uh, Elizabeth dies. He chases one of them with a chainsaw, drops down the stairs, kills him. As you can see, I just slowly started checking out with my notes by this point. Yeah, I mean, 
that's the end. I think the end of the movie just comes up quick. You just figure out that everybody he's killed like 153 people now. There's just pretty yeah, much really he, how he says it. Like he he has a shootout with the police, and just after a couple gunshots, he blows up two police cars. I mean, he was flabbergasted. He that was, the, I laughed so hard at that. Just the face he made after he did it. He was like, what the hell? This is a good gun. Yeah. <laughs> my my Glock 9mm is very good. <laughs> my Glock 50 cal is so good. Uh, he calls his uh, lawyer, like confesses everything, and then... Later on, he goes back to his apartment. It's completely clean. Like any remnants of bodies that he had there, gone. Like there was heads in freezers, torsos in the closet, and like the building manager's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. No, everything's perfectly clean and nice in here. And then he's at like another business lunch, sees the same lawyer he confessed everything to. And the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, no, I killed Paul Allen. No. Yeah, I had just had dinner 10 days ago with Paul Allen in London. And basically, Patrick just has this whole long monologue. I, I look at it as all of this actually happened. Like, he did kill these people. But that, you know, his father being, like, the head of the company, like, basically ha- cleaned up everything because of, you know, corrupt corporate America. In the end, when he, you know, has that line of, like, you know, this confession means nothing. Like, I feel like it's him finally realizing, like, he is just so minuscule and just not important that no matter what he does, how many people he kills, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't change anything or no one would give a shit. He's just another face in a suit. Yeah, so his confession meant nothing. The audience in that is left with nothing. And therefore, I felt nothing. I don't care. Yeah. Yep. Which is unfortunate. And I don't know if, you know, if that was done purposefully in, in a way that is supposed to, like, make me feel, like, emotionless in a way that Patrick Bateman is supposed to be emotionless. But that's dumb, right? Because people don't watch movies for that purpose. I mean, joke's on you. I'm I'm constantly emotionless. So <laughs> joke's on you. I have no emotions. So it almost feels like a cop-out. It just felt like we were edged with psychosis as a plot mechanism that was unrealized, but we still stayed locked in for 98 minutes. And it's disappointing to say the least, right? Because like the product in itself is very polished, right? It's, it's, it is interesting. The dialogue is good. Like getting to see like the interwoven, the interweaving of Patrick Bateman's mind and like the, is he or isn't he of all the murders it, it, it's interesting, but it's left with nothing. There's no resolution at all, right? It's as stale yeah. as the you know social commentary that the movie is kind of representative of. Look, I, I want to say, though, I, I'm sure the book delivers better than the movie did. He Maybe. was not fond yeah. of the ending. That's... Hmm. I wasn't either. <laughs> yeah. so that's, good. that's a good sign. Look at all these things I have in common with him. <laughs> Again, I, I, I took it kind of like how Chris... Did. I, I don't have there's no I don't know if there's any secret behind it maybe there is but it it just same thing I, I walked away I laughed a lot I which is like probably not what this movie fully intended um I don't know if like people who saw this in 2000 that were sitting in the theaters like felt on edge as they were waiting for Patrick Bateman to murder another person or what's he gonna do next or is he like I, I don't I don't think that's what we get. I think we just get a movie that's just 
don't know. It's it's just kind of funny. It's it's just kind of funny and stupid, and it makes sense why people call it a cult classic because it's supposed to have a big meaning, but like nobody really gets it, man. You know, like nobody really understands it, and yeah. uh, you're not smart enough to enjoy it or appreciate it. Yeah, but also it made didn't it make a huge profit? Like it? Not really. No, it made uh, a profit. Yeah, enough that profit. Lionsgate made a second. W- it, it made enough. Well, no, <laughs> it, made it, it, it made enough that when a completely different director and writer were about to start filming another movie, Lionsgate told them, "Like, actually, hey, I know you're about to start, you know, filming. Can you make this a sequel to American Psycho?" And they yeah. were like, "Uh, I guess we can." And so the way they made it a sequel to American Psycho is that the first scene, this little girl uh, kills Patrick Bateman hmm. off screen. That, that I shit you not. That is how no. <laughs> American Psycho 2, all American girl, begins. Interesting. And then yeah. Mila Kunis m- murders people, she, I guess. Yeah, she killed Patrick Bateman as like a 10-year-old in the movie. Or Fuck so it, it's why written. not? Yeah. Yeah. Would you believe that Christian Bale did not show up to, you know, portray Patrick Bateman for all of 30 seconds? You don't say. It's, I mean, it feels as empty and longing as the rest of, like, these these weird plot lines that we don't get. His secretary, right? There, There's kind of, like, that potential love affair where he, like, almost seems like he cares about her. And then she finds his drawings. We get nothing there. It's, I yeah. mean, might as well kill him off. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. There's no closure to anything in it. Uh, who cares? <laughs> That's how it is. Who cares? Who gives a fuck? Uh, well, if we've got nothing left to say, because you know, who cares? Uh, yeah. Dan, do you happen to have a spoopometer meter this week? I'll be honest. I didn't hear any of the last like probably two minutes of what you guys were saying because I was listening to the Heart of Rock and Roll, which perfectly segues <laughs> into my speed meter. So Huey Lewis and the News have been together for zero uh, or for thirty four years. Um, so guys, zero to thirty four. How many years would you follow Huey Lewis and the News before you broke off hmm, for this movie? Like if if I. Yeah, I guess that's how it is, right? So uh, I would last 34 years. Like yeah, it's the heart uh, of rock I, and roll, you know? This, <laughs> this movie was really stupid. <laughs> and uh, I wanted uh, it, it not. <laughs> I love the way I, I'm not. <laughs> like, I'm not mad really about stupid. it. It was uh, like, I'm happy I, I got, I guess I got the opportunity to watch this movie, but. And it wasn't bad. It just wasn't a horror movie. So I'm, I'm, I'm not really into them. I'm not into that type of music. I don't really get singers. So zero. That's that's a direct line from this movie uh, about Huey Lewis in the news. I believe that's <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. So what was it? Zero to thirty-four, Dan. Yep, zero to thirty-four. So thirty-four years, like being like top praise or. <laughs> Yeah, like you followed Huey Lewis in the news all 34 all years. Right. You've I been mean, there the whole time. Scary-wise, no. Uh, maybe six months. I don't know. Like, yeah, as long I have my issues with this movie, nothing really connects. But I don't know. I still have, like, a soft spot for this movie. I don't love it, but 
just like how there's a lot of it I laugh at, and I think I just find it entertaining, and I just watch it to. I think this is like the third or fourth time I've seen it, and so I just kind of watch it and zone out and just laugh at a lot of it. And honestly, the Huey Lewis scene with Jared Leto, like I love that scene. I think it's just so stupid, but I can't help but enjoy it. Scary wise, six months as a movie, I'll I'll, I'll give it a solid eight and a half, nine years. Eight and a half or nine years for a for a movie that you enjoy. All right. I said, I said, like <laughs> you said, I have a soft spot for this movie. Is that yeah. like a mushy brown banana kind of soft spot? Yeah, for eight, and, eight to nine yeah. years. Yeah. I yeah. also, so, I took an edible before we did this. There you go. <laughs> so I really like it. That's yeah, why, like that's why I like it enough to give it a low rating. Yeah, no, like it, it it's it's a high visibility movie in that like it was societally relevant and a lot of people know about it. It's a cult classic. Uh, you know, it, it, I think it kind of like teeters the line of cult classic cause it was pretty well received by audiences. It hadn't really, there hadn't been a movie that was from the horror or I'm sorry, from the killer's perspective really since like a clockwork orange back in the early seventies. So Everything up until this point had been like, you know, the killer is coming, but we're we're more focused on the victims or, you know, our uh, protagonists. So it was interesting. And that's why I think it got a lot of the notoriety that it received that that it certainly doesn't make it a horror movie. Right. This is more of like a, a drama with like thriller esque elements. And it's a little bit I don't know. It's 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 just a little long. I, I won't say it's like arrogantly full of itself, but it's. It, it, it can be a little daunting. It's thoughtful, but it's not everyone's cup of tea. So we'll leave it there. Um, so it's not spoopy at all. So zero on that. But uh, overall, I'm probably going to give it about 10 out of 34. And I, I said it earlier, but uh, literally like 1.3 speed for this movie is, I think, the best option. It is. I had no issues watching this movie. It blew by in an hour. I didn't have to watch whatever the extra 30 minutes was. Uh, pretty much. It was it was very nice. So. No, man. No offense, Huey. But fuck Huey Lewis. Houston's my <laughs> shit, so I'm not following any of this. Zero out of 34. You know some of the other music we could have listened to in 2000? The Real Slim Shady. Oops, I did it again. Uh, what else? Um, I Hope You Dance. Mm. Oh, bro. Fuck it. I fuck with I Hope You Dance. Fantastic song. That song Fantastic song. slaps. No one talks about that song. Fantastic and song. The- All right, I got to listen to that song. Uh, we could have also listened to uh, Lost in You by Chris Gaines. It came out the year before. Uh, oh, get well, the I mean, fuck out of here. Obviously, <laughs> we were already listening to that. It was That's fair. It's, uh, it, didn't need to, it didn't need to be said. That's fair. If we're good with ending out this whole shebang, I want to appreciate you. I want to thank you for uh, showing up and, and listening and maybe even watch this movie. Sure. Um Enjoy yourself. Enjoy uh, some Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, I want to go ahead and thank our actual music uh, person, uh, Andrew Cavanaugh. You can find his information there. Uh, Connor McLeod also did our artwork. So go ahead and uh, give him a little thank you. And then, uh, yeah, I I guess. uh, Chris, what do you want to have to tell the people who try to call for a nine o'clock appointment at Dorcia? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.
Don't just stare at her, asshole. Eat it. <laughs>